You might be like me, you're over 50 and you still want to keep working. What you might not have is the confidence that you'll actually be able to do so. You might feel as though the marketplace has potentially written you off. I always feel so sad when I hear the all too common statement that unemployed people over 50 will not get another job. I know that in most cases with the right support, it's not true. If you want to retire, that's a totally valid career choice. But it's such a pity to enter a forced retirement just because you lack the skills to persuade another employer to hire you. I'm well over 50 and I've never got the impression that my clients dismiss me because of my age. My husband's in his 60s and he's an acknowledged international expert. If we feel we can persuade the marketplace to buy us, so can you. But as baby boomers retire and the power moves decisively to younger generations, you may need to work a bit harder to pick up your next role if you're an older worker. So what do you do? Welcome to Career Chinwags for the 21st Century. I'm taking a break from my coronavirus series and for the next little while I'm going to jump around all over the place to talk about any career issue that takes my fancy. In today's episode, I'm going to talk you through four tips that I have to help you pick up a good job, even though you may never see 50 again. Each one is important, but on their own, each one is not enough. The prejudice that you will face means that you will need to go out all guns blazing. Tip number one, update your appearance. There's no right or wrong when it comes to appearance. There's just perception and then the consequences of that perception. So for you, the perception is that if you look old-fashioned, people think you are old-fashioned especially if they're a younger hirer. It's really important that you manage your personal appearance because not only will a younger employer perhaps think that you are resistant to change, they might think they have nothing in common with you and they may not want to work with somebody all day who they think they have nothing in common with. They just can't imagine having a drink with you on a Friday afternoon and so they hire somebody younger. Here are five things for you to consider. Firstly, think about your reality. What are the norms of the industry that you operate in? What level of seniority are you targeting? Because, for example, one of the current judgment calls for a male professional to make is, are you going to wear a suit with a tie or a suit with no tie? I can't tell you what a detailed conversation I sometimes have with my clients about that. Secondly, get a haircut and make sure you present a well-groomed image. A simple thing like tidy hair makes you look much younger. But you need to avoid one of those dad's army military style haircuts. That will just reinforce your age. If you've got a beard, get it cut into a modern style or better still, shave it off. Thirdly, assess your props. And notice I say props because this is a performance. If you wear glasses, make sure that they're not old fashioned. It really is time to throw away those horn rimmed glasses. If you wear jewellery, aim for simple and striking pieces that present a modern image and a strong modern image. The fourth thing to think about is to totally revamp your wardrobe. 
A few years ago, I worked with somebody who was over 60 and he used to come in to see me with trousers under the armpit and a short sleeve business shirt with no tie and it made him look 70. At my suggestion, he went out and bought a modern suit and he just looked amazing. It, it totally changed the image that he conveyed. Use the shirt to show some personality. And whatever you do, don't go for a boring white one, especially if you're not going to be wearing a tie. Speaking of ties, I recently spent 20 minutes looking at the tie of an older client who I had thought would be a very smart dresser. It was a muddy brown colour and had a dense pattern of lambs and wolves, believe it or not. I eventually got my courage up and told him he couldn't wear it. and He was really surprised. And luckily for me, he told me at our next meeting that his wife totally agreed with me. On the whole, I think clean lines work best. Find an outfit that's just slightly edgy and one that makes an appropriate-for-your-marketplace statement. That way, you'll look stylish and up-to-date. If you need to buy something new, go to a shop when it's quiet. Say that you're buying clothes for an interview. They'll know what to do. And the fifth thing to think about is to check whether your marketplace is so competitive that you need to cover micro-appearance issues. At the most formal end of the market, you may even be assessed on what type of watch you wear. And with one of my young clients who was applying for a job in a top-tier Sydney law firm, we had a four or five, maybe six-minute discussion about would she wear her hair in a ponytail or would she wear her hair in a French pleat. That's how nuanced it can be. All right, so you've covered off your appearance. Tip number two is to create a strong online presence. LinkedIn is very important. So the first thing is to make sure that you have a profile. You can guarantee that when you apply for a job, they will immediately check your LinkedIn profile. And the conclusion that they will come to, if an older worker is not on LinkedIn, is that that person is a dinosaur. And people don't hire dinosaurs. Make sure that your profile sells you well. I'm not going to go into details here. There's lots of really good blogs out there that will advise you on how to set up a good profile. But briefly, present an up-to-date image. There's so many bad photos out there on LinkedIn that if yours is good, it's a real advantage. Either get a professional to take a photo, or if you don't want to or can't afford to, take at least 50 or so shots because one of them's got to be good. And the general basics of a photo is to have your torso facing in one direction and your face facing slightly away from your torso. And that way you don't get that mugshot look or that deer and startled headlights or startled deer and headlights look. It shouldn't be a casual shot. I shouldn't see somebody's arm around your shoulder with the rest of their body cut off and obviously not in a pub or sitting in a restaurant. There should be nobody else in the image. The second thing once you've got your profile up to date is that you need to post once a week and the way to do it is to find interesting, relevant articles. You can choose either to post technical articles or you can post general leadership articles. I think the best bet is to post technical articles, certainly in the first instance. And you need to introduce the article with some nice, lively language so that people can read your introduction and decide whether it's worth them reading the article or not. Thirdly, still on LinkedIn, obviously, publish third-party testimonials. So what I mean by testimonials is recommendations on LinkedIn. Be brave. 
I can remember years ago crafting an email on LinkedIn, hating doing it. My email went something like, I'm overcoming my Adelaide conservatism and reluctantly asking you to comment on our work together. And that was my way of saying to the other person, look, I'm not doing this because I want a big note myself. I'm doing this because this is important professionally for me. You need at least six, because I think Australians in particular are very cynical, and if they look at some recommendations and there's only one or two, their instinctive response would be, look, I'm sure we could all find somebody to say nice things about us. Whereas as soon as you've got six or more, they have their own weightiness, they have their own credibility. When I go on a sales visit, I will, if I remember, I will end the sales visit by saying, have a look at my recommendations on LinkedIn. That should give you a feeling of comfort of how well regarded our organisation is in the marketplace here. Now, obviously, you wouldn't say that at the end of an interview. You don't need to say that because, as I said earlier, you can guarantee they will go and look at your LinkedIn profile and check out everything about you. number three is to hone and I use that word judiciously I use that word deliberately hone your interview skills of course for anybody interview performance can make the difference between job and no job but it's much more important for older workers because often as soon as you walk into the interview room the prospective employers antennae are on high alert They start with a totally negative perception because of your age and then it's up to you to give them reasons to hire you. So you have to work a lot harder. Start your campaign, and it is a campaign, to sharpen your interview skills as soon as possible. If you've been behaving a certain way for a long time, it might take you some months to improve your interview persona and to change entrenched responses that you may have. I worked with a senior HR director who used the word personnel instead of staff or employees. That word hasn't been acceptable for decades now, but she just didn't realise it. She sounded like somebody stuck in the 1980s. That word in itself, linked to her age, would be enough to ensure that she didn't get hired. So let's look at what you need to be careful of with your interview performance. Firstly, you need to send a message that you are flexible and strategic. People automatically think that older workers are resistant to change, so you need to deal with this. If their first question is, tell us a little bit about yourself, make sure that you paint a picture of being comfortable with and even promoting change. When they go on to ask the standard behavioural questions like, give us an example of customer service or give us an example of problem solving, give examples of you accepting or promoting workplace change in your answers. Make sure you do this early on in the interview. So if you can establish early on in the interview that you are flexible and strategic, they can just relax then and start to actually listen to what you say because you've allayed their fears. The second thing to think about is to demonstrate enthusiasm and energy. People often assume that older people have less energy. So both your voice and your responses to interview questions need to be lively and upbeat. I'm not sure if you realise, but people say about 38% of the impression we make on strangers comes from our voice. So make sure there's light and shade in your voice. 
Make sure you use gestures as you speak and don't just sit there with your hands in your lap. The third point, think about providing evidence that your technical and IT skills are up to date. Don't miss out on a job because you've fallen behind with mainstream technology. There's plenty of support out there, and I've written about this often in my blogs. And then make sure in the interview that you talk about your IT skills with specific examples, again, early on in the interview, so that they can just relax and not think that you're going to be a Luddite. What a great word that is, Luddite. Fourthly, construct your answers to sound like somebody normal and sensible. Your language needs to be natural and not too formal. I call it coffee shop talk. Sometimes when I'm working with somebody, if I think they're overly formal, I'll say, hmm, would you talk to me like that in a coffee shop if we were having a coffee? And if the answer is no, then you need to eliminate that sort of language from your interview performance. You want the listener to think, hmm, I'd like to work with her. She sounds nice. Really, I guess what I'm talking about is you just want them to relax about you. Finally, practice, practice, practice. I say this so many times, I'm sure I'm so boring. And your practice needs to be out loud. We're all great in our head with interview answers and then something disastrous happens when words come out past our voice box. So you need to practice out loud. Film yourself on your camera, on your phone, as you practice complete answers to various interview questions. I know it's embarrassing, but it's amazing what you see when you play it back. Final tip, tip number four, is perhaps the most important of all the tips. Make sure that you can get access to emotional and strategic support. Everyone needs someone to help them through a job search campaign. It's one of the reasons an organisation asks us to work with their employees when their roles have been made redundant. And much of my work is helping a person overcome their doubts or to help them see what is possible rather than what isn't. Almost everybody says they're going to struggle to get a job because they hear such doom and gloom everywhere. And once we're at the job interview stage, I often need to boost their confidence that now they've done their practice, they're a great chance to pick up that role. There's also a danger that you fall into the trap of believing that you missed out on a role because of your age, when it's often a very different reason. I gave a few tips recently to one of my acquaintances in relation to interviews. She had quite an odd, awkward manner. She missed out on two jobs and she put it down to ageism. Then she got an interview through a former colleague. She nearly missed out on that job as well and her colleague had to do a lot of work to persuade his firm to hire her. It wasn't her age at all. It was her poor interview technique. So find somebody to help counter negative fears and thought patterns and to assist you to find ways to manage your demeanour. You'll need their support to counter that nasty little voice in your head that pipes up when things go wrong. You know, the one that says, well, nobody's going to hire me anyway because I'm too old. Secondly, find an optimistic problem solver to help you uncover opportunities that you may not see. You need a glass half full person, especially if you're not naturally one. They can also help you to focus on strategic job search activities. It's human nature to do the easy tasks in job search, but they're not usually the best activities to actually get a job. You need someone to help keep you on the straight and narrow. And finally, read blogs every day. 
They only take about two or three minutes, but they're so useful. I find one of three things happens when I read a blog. It either reminds me of a bad habit that I've got and helps me in my efforts to overcome that bad habit. Secondly, it might give me tips as to best practice, which of course is valuable. Thirdly, I will occasionally read a blog which inspires me. Now, on our company Facebook page, I find great career articles from all around the world. I don't just post my stuff. These articles are not just about job search. They're about how to be happy at work, how to thrive at work. And so if you don't know where to go, just go to my Facebook page. It won't cost you anything and you'll find some great resources. And I post tips and I post quotes to try and keep people's spirits up because most of the issues are actually in a person's mind as to whether they're going to succeed or not. So if I summarise today's session, it's about dropping the negativity about ageism. This message about over 50s and now it's over 60s has been with us ever since I started working in the area of career transition many years ago now. Almost the first thing an older worker would say to me was, I know I'm not going to be able to get another job at my age. This was during the early 2000s when the Adelaide market was just awful. Back then, it was generally true that the corporate world had a definite bias against older workers, and yet my clients found work. Even in the current marketplace, I can think of none of my clients where their age is an issue. So find someone you can trust to alert you to any changes you may need to make and then get started. Now, I still haven't done many podcasts. I think I'm up to podcast number 10. And I don't know about my reviews and I don't know how many subscribers I've got, but I suspect it's not that many. So if you like what you've heard, I'd love it if you could share this podcast or leave a review. At this stage, I'm doing a podcast every fortnight. And next episode, I'm going to talk you through 10 tips to make sure that your cover letter does what it's supposed to do when you're applying for an advertised job, which is to make the reader want to read your resume. Remember, if you want to review what we've talked about, check out the full show notes at careerconsult.com.au. There you can find a full article on the topic, an infographic or maybe a video, which will summarise the different elements, and there'll be links to any tools or resources we've pointed out. I'll repeat myself, careerconsult.com.au. And I do a mail out once a fortnight of my videos, blogs and infographics. If you're interested, you'll find a sign-up form on the website. Let's end with my wonderful hashtag, hashtag why not be happy at work. Thank you.